Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Real Estate Podcast. I'm today joined by Stephen Brown, elite trainer in the UK, a fantastic agent based in Norfolk, Andrew Overman, but also we're in the presence of a world-renowned trainer, Tom Panas, all the way from Australia. Welcome, Tom. It's great to see you and hear from you today. Yeah, it's great to be, you know, it's it's uh, uh, coming up to summer in Sydney in Australia and um I love I love talking to uh, uh, you guys there in the UK. I know you've come over to Australia a few times, so we know each other personally and through um, the real estate gym and through Eric. Yeah. So it's great chatting to you. Fantastic, and you always seem to have the better weather than what we do. We do, we do. <laughs> so, Stephen, what have you been up to this week? Um, busy week. So, I've been doing some mentoring, some training for this tomorrow, negotiating masterclass. Just about to start a session and turn your data into gold. Um, really interesting mentoring session was how well um, you know your numbers in your business, the key performance indicators. So, um, and the person who I was dealing with been in business for eight years and unfortunately doesn't know those numbers. Okay, well, uh, and um, so what's what's the first question that we've got uh, for Tom today? Because when we were over in Australia, went to Eric, we met uh, or had the chance to see Tom Ferry, um, and um, he's very much talked about the fixed and growth mindset. So, Tom, we had an amazing time in Eric. He compared it brilliantly, and uh, we learned so much. Um, one of the exceptional speakers there was Tom Ferry, and he talked about. Uh, uh, fixed mindset against a growth mindset. What does that mean to you, Tom? Well, look, um, and I'm actually going to make reference to uh, the uh, the architects of the research that uh, talked about fixed and my, mixed, fixed mindset, growth mindset, and that came from uh, research done by a professor called uh, Martin Seligman um, in a book called Learned Optimism, which basically studies that people have pretty much two default methods uh, that they revert to in the way that they perceive the world and how they can operate in that world. So a fixed mindset um, essentially is someone that believes that there's nothing that they can do about it, that they've been dealt with certain cards in life, that they're the cards they've been dealt with, and that there's not much they can do with that. Whereas a growth mindset has a belief is, hey, these are the cards I've actually been dealt with but what I can do is improve the probability of winning if I actually upgrade my skill set and if I change certain, you know, important key factors that are going to help me get better at the job. An example, guys, would be, you know, like, I mean, a simple thing like let's talk about speaking, public speaking. You could turn around and say that some people have a predisposition to be able to speak better than others, and they might be as a natural a 7 out of 10, whereas um, another person might be uh, um, like a 5 out of 10. And what we're saying is that person that's got a growth mindset that's only a 5 out of 10 will say, hey, what I'll do is coaching and practice, and I'll start doing some speeches, and what I'll do is I'll get a speech coach and I'll fine-tune and I'll get better. And whilst I never started as being a 7 out of 10 through coaching and practice, I might actually end up becoming an 8 out of 10. Whereas, and, and they'll beat the person that's got a fixed mindset that might be a more naturally better speaker that stays as a 7 out of 10. So the real learning there, the real learning there, Stephen, is that 
are you the sort of person that actually says, hey, there's nothing I can do about it, whereas someone with a growth mindset will say, hey, I have got certain things that I can control and um, I'm going to choose to become better at it. That's the real difference. And there's the book. There's a great book to read, you know, uh, Learned Optimism by Martin Seligman. The other thing is you've got so much energy and so much passion. Um, where does that come from? How do you keep it going all the time? Look, Stephen, if you actually ask me, sometimes I think to myself, I wish I had more energy, right? So that obviously is something that, you know, an outsider sees, um, um, which, yeah, like in my own mind, I sometimes think to myself, hey, I wish I even had more energy. So how am I the way that I am? My honest view is that part of it is from a young age, I thought to myself, hey, um, I wanted to be better. I wanted, you know, I wanted to have more money. I wanted, you know, to live. I, I just wanted to have a better life financially, you know, socially, um, um, even from a physical perspective. So I'm the sort of person that is always looking at where I am versus I can be. So you could turn around and say I'm, I'm goal-directed. The other way is I have to say Ill, illness has been a very big energy enabler for me because it's allowed me to understand that life is in fact terminal, that life is in fact overall in the big scheme of things short. And because I've had illness, you know, a number of times in my life, it means that I'm not prepared to waste time. And what does that mean? To get everything I can, not just to actually uh, um, get through the day, but I look to try and get things out of the day, right? Which I think maybe is something that you don't get if you don't haven't had a, you know, a life-threatening or a terminal illness because a lot of people think they've got an endless number of tomorrows. And I think if if you think you've got an endless number of tomorrows, I said I think it will probably mean that you probably won't try and get as much out of the day because you realise that it's not a scarce commodity. But for me, I realise that time's a very precious commodity. So what I do is I, I just, you know, hustle um, and try and every hour that I'm awake, I try and get the most out of it. Brilliant. Look, that's such fantastic advice there and great learning. So thank you for that, Tim. Luke, I think you've got another question um, for Tom about the community. Yeah, so um, I was listening to your Tech um, Tuesday uh, this morning, Tom, uh, watching that, and you were talking, you touched a little bit on community, and there's a lot of um, uh, way that we, we approach it over here is that perhaps it doesn't pay back to the business, um, and perhaps that's a bit of a short-termist view, but what's your kind of views on how a real estate agent should be engaged in their local community? Well, I think... The real estate agent of 2018 and beyond is the community agent, Luke. I think a, a great agent actually becomes the eco-center of the community, right? What they do is they join up the community because if you think about it, real estate is in fact a geography job. Um, and what that means is geographies are about communities. So anyone that actually thinks to themselves that it's not relevant to them is playing the short game. And I can understand because there's a group of people in life 
that do like the short game. Short game people are people that like to take action now and get a result immediately. They want instant gratification. And community agents will not get instant gratification. Community agents, in fact, will actually take time and that could range from being six months to five years. But more importantly, Luke, if yeah. if you're old, if this is the, the real thing. If you're looking at community as being simply a sales strategy to bring you money, that won't work because what actually is happening is that you're immersing in the community, not on the fringes, but right in the center. And if the community can suss out that your motive is to grow your business, they will smell commission breath a mile away and know that you, in fact, are the cowboy community. And that is not yeah. what a community agent should be. No, it's uh, the, the business is the byproduct of being actively involved and putting back into community. And you, you see, and having what we've seen over in Australia, you've got some of the world-class uh, estate agents, real estate agents, and what are the kind of things that they're doing to get involved in their community so that they're part of that community? Okay, so Luke, some of the things that I see community agents um, do is they find something that they love themselves and they find an organisation in the community that is actually doing this thing. So what happens is they're going to actually do something that they enjoy. So for instance, if your passion is football, right? They'll immerse yeah. themselves with a football club that has got um, people from that community that are involved with that club. And then what they do is instead of just writing out um, a check for some money, what they do is actually buy the right to actually get the attention of that community. And how do they do it? They get permission to actually be there at training, at award presentations, and they like doing it. Because it's they like football and they like the community, it becomes an effortless activity. And this, to me, is what prospecting... You want prospecting to be something that you actually like doing. And because you like doing it, Luke, people actually can see that you'd be doing it whether you're an estate agent or not. And what actually happens is they begin to like you as a person. And they might not be doing business on their property for quite a few years, but one thing is for sure, you will be on their shopping list. But what's happened is in the process, you're doing stuff you like. So an example is find organizations that currently have uh, an activity, whether it's football, uh, I, I, I don't know, whatever it is. I only mentioned football because football's, you know, one of my passions and I know it's, you know, a strong passion in, in the UK. Yeah, no, fan, fantastic. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's uh, amazing. We do an awful lot with the community here from Santa Letters to hosting Santa in the Grotto and it's now become expected in the community that each year they can come to their Christmas fair they can come and see Santa at our office. We donate all the proceeds to charity um, every year, raising thousands of pounds. And I know um, Andy does the same over in uh, in Thetford. Uh, he's very actively involved in the community. And I think recently um, there was uh, a card that Andy's recently received. 
Yeah, we um, we support the annual fusion event, uh, which donates money to three fantastic charities, uh, each St Nicholas Hospice and, and Time Norfolk. Uh, we raised over seven and a half thousand pounds this year, and I received a card yesterday from the organisers, and there's a, a very poignant quote: "It's uh, your greatness is not what you have, it's what you give," um, and uh, that really resonates with me. Fantastic. So, um, Andy, I think um, you had a uh, a quick question for Tom, uh, just to ask. Obviously, from being uh, being on, in the field and on the ground all the time, about uh, about wanting to get ahead. Yeah. So, uh, Tom, uh, obviously, we're heading towards the the end of twenty eighteen and uh, looking ahead at twenty nineteen. Now, um, there's a lot of talk about how the market's getting tougher, um, and I just uh, wanted to ask, what would your top tips be for agents looking to finish the year strongly um, and more importantly, set themselves up for 2019? Um, what I would be saying is, uh, Andy, what are my top tips? Tip number one is um, um, Christmas doesn't start till 21st or the 22nd of December. And I think, I don't know if the UK is like, you know, Australia or New Zealand, but come late November, December, there's a certain group of the industry that are saying, hey, you know, Christmas is coming. And they sort of mentally begin to um, taper off their work. So tip number one would be, gang, understand that, um, you know, Christmas, when you're at work, work. If you don't want to be at work, then go on holidays early, you know. Go and go enjoy summer holiday in another country. That would be tip number one. Tip number two is um, try and – I'm, I'm a big believer, Andy, that what you should be doing is like a vacuum cleaner, suck up all the stock there is there in November and December. So when you do come back, you know, in January, in the new year, that you've actually got a large number of listings. and I would even suggest that, you know, agents walk in to valuations and even if they've got to sign up what I call pocket listings and say, listen, we want to put, we know that you don't formally want to go into the market till the new year, but what we want to do is list it as a, as a pocket listing because if we get a buyer, you know, in December uh, or people that have got time off over Christmas and they're, you know, looking online, I'd love to be able to tell them about your property because they might be the one that pays, you know, 5% more than anyone else. So I would say, um, you know, make sure that you try and get as many listings so that way you can have a much better holiday when you go on holidays. And the third thing is, I think sooner or later, Andy, people need to accept that this phenomenon of social media is in fact not social. This now is a clear strategy that people are using to get into the eyeballs of potential buyers and potential sellers. So what I'd be doing is making sure that over the next month or so, they actually went off and they upgraded their skills, everything to do social media, video and online. Great advice. Thanks, Tom. And uh, Luke, I know you've got a listener question now for Tom. Yeah, so uh, this one I think a lot of agents will be able to resonate with. Uh, so this is from Sean uh, in East Preston. Um, hi, Stephen and the team. Um, we're coming up against a lot of the cheap fee agents where 
our fee is sometimes even double what the competitors are charging. How do I combat against that in order to help win the business? Look, Luke, the first thing is, and you're a very intelligent person, you're a, you're a thought leader in the business, and um, you know very well that that question has not come just from Sean. That question has come from every real estate agent on planet Earth, right? Yeah. So we, we, we know for a fact that this is not just a unique scenario in Sean's business. Everywhere in the world, right? And here's the other great news. It's not just real estate. It's the same hap- happening with taxis and cabs. The same's happening with food. The same's happening with financial services. There's not an industry where there's not someone else that does things for half the price. It happens in airlines. So step number one is you've got to accept that there's a group of people in the market that want what I call the sticker shocker price. And that is they don't care. They want the cheap airline. They want the cheap car. They want the cheap agent. So there's a group of people that you're going to turn around and say, not everyone will be a client of mine. I get that. Step number two, you need to move away from being a commodity and become a value-added provider. You can't be in the commodity dungeon. A commodity dungeon uh, is when you are the same as everyone else, that they begin to say, hey, you're the same, you're the same, you're the same. I'm going to pick the cheapest of three very average estate agents. So what's the clear principle there? Don't be the same. Be different. Be a value-added provider. Show more, do more, give more. And what you're going to have to do is sooner or later develop an irresistible listing presentation that is so good, that is so good that the people that you present your listing presentation to basically are applauding. They're not going to do it, you know, literally, but metaphorically in on the inside, they're going to clap so much that they're going to say, Luke was so far ahead of the other agents that I accept that they're worth more. Because ultimately, if you're 1% dearer, but you're 5% better, the consumer is still 4% better off using you. So the real strategy is to be able to win someone's heart that they understand that they're going to get a better result with you. Now, how do you win that? It's a trust game. McDonald's sells speed. Real estate agents sell trust. And what I can tell you, it's going to help a lot more, Luke, if you've been the community agent and they already know about you and there's already trust in the relationship, the terms become negotiable. So in many ways, what I'm saying is that you'll probably get a better fee if the listing presentations you're doing are to people you've got existing relationships with. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, perfect, perfect sense. That's fantastic content and some great tips for everyone in the UK. So um, just to kind of wrap things up, because I appreciate it's getting towards uh, the night time over there in uh, in Sydney for you, Tom. Um, you run the real estate gym for uh, real estate agents, not just in Australia, but around the world. Just, uh, just give us a little bit of an overview as to what, what that is for everyone. Okay, so 
Uh, Real Estate Gym is an online coaching platform where most of the learning comes via video. There is constant content coming from me that is trying to help estate agents get higher commissions, win more listings, make more sales, try and understand this world of social media, trying to understand what content works on social media, what platforms to use, and it is very heavily based on scripts and dialogues. And um, so one thing is for sure that even though the content is made here in Australia, you're a, you're a gym member and a lot of the, you know, Andy's yeah. a gym member, you know that the content is transferable. So um, it's actually, I think it's actually closed at the moment. I open it up. So if pe- I open it up um, at the end of the year again, so um, people can just go to realestategym.com.au and get on a waiting yeah. list. But look, yeah, if people just want to follow me on social media, um, um, yeah, they can get a taste of what I'm all about. Yeah, well, you give out so much content for free, your Sunday night rants, your, your, your updates throughout the week, but certainly get on that waiting list for the Real Estate Gym. It's, it's helped our business, it's helped Andy, and it even Absolutely. helps uh, Stephen Brown as well. So look, Tom, thank you very much. We really appreciate your time today. Uh, take, take care of yourself. Look after Susan. Thank Maybe you so perhaps much. we'll get a wrap, we'll get a wrap from Susan as well, yeah, we'll one, get a, one day. We'll get a UK, <laughs> we'll, we'll get a, we'll get a, we'll get a, we'll get a special UK wrap just done for, 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 for Andy, Luke and Stephen. I'll tell her it's on our to-do list. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to it. But take, take care and hopefully we'll, we'll see each other again uh, sometime next year. Thank you guys. Go Spurs. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.